Well, let's go in. We've got some, some fun stuff to, uh, to unravel and, and uncover and build up. Amen? And so I, I think the, the topic that the Lord has given me, and um, that's, that might be why that song was so, it just ministered to me. Um, oh, man, how great is our God, right? And you can like hear, you know, you can just hear the marching orders. Like, you can hear the head coach saying, come on, we got him, we got him. Apply full court defense. Get on him. Thomas, get on him. Get on him. Catch up, catch up, catch up. I was a slow guy. And, uh, <laughs> and so it just really ministers to me that uh, your life's gonna be changed today. If you're sitting in here, your life's gonna be changed. If you don't go out changed, that's your fault. Can I just, can I just tell it like it is? If you leave here, and you're not changed, or you don't feel free, say, say you're, you need to walk out and you say, hey, that's my fault. I was scared. And here's what you're scared about. This blows my mind. I was once there, though, just so you know. I just can't believe I was scared of it. You're scared of freedom. See, the Lord's not gonna, gonna deal with you today and make your life worse. He's not gonna handcuff you. He's not gonna be like, now you have to listen to all of my rules. The law. No, the law got rid of it. <laughs> Done. Jesus took care of that. The resurrection took care of that. Praise God, we don't have to live by the law because if we had to live by the law, we're all done. Right, and that was one reason he was sent. Praise God. So you can walk out completely free. You can walk out and just be like, wow, that's Jesus? Amen? Well, good. Let's, let's, uh, let's get into this then. We're going to talk about not very much fun stuff. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. We're going to talk about struggles. If, if you're in here and you don't think you have a struggle, then you're, I don't know who you are. You might be Jesus in the skin. Just meaning that we live on earth. We live in a, a fallen world where real things happen. Um, you know, sometimes we'll watch YouTube videos of, and I used to be able to watch this all the time when I was younger, so maybe it's as I get older, you just can't, but um, like where people fall and get hurt. I used to laugh about that, and I mean just crying laughing. Couldn't stop laughing. Um, I watch it now, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. I just can't handle people getting hurt, man. It just like, oh, maybe because I can see myself falling, and, and all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, it's not so funny anymore, man. Getting older, getting up, not as easy. And uh, I was playing with my granddaughter yesterday in the living room, and we were, we were having a competition. I mean, she doesn't know we were having a competition because she's nine weeks old, but we were having a competition, and I wanted to beat a nine-week-old. And so we were laying on our backs, and, and she was kicking her feet and waving her hands, and I was kicking my feet and waving my hands, and I realized how much of an ab workout that was. <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm done. She beat me, a nine-week-old. And, uh, and it was funny, as I, as I kind of rolled over to get up, I was like, wow, this is a long way down here. And so we, uh, you know, we live in a fallen world, and, and we, there are struggles in this world. But we're not supposed to like live in it. We're not supposed to live in the desert. The Israelites weren't supposed to like be chilling in the desert for as long as they chilled in the desert for. They weren't supposed to be there that long. They were just dumb. You're, if you're in the desert time, you're not supposed to be living in it. You're supposed to be out of it and thriving. 
and then showing other people how to, how to thrive, right? I mean, who in the world would want to live and, and vomit? I mean, think about that. This is completely different than last service. But can you imagine just vomit and just being like, you know what? I kind of want to just live in that. That seems comfortable. And just lay down in it. Ugh. No, thank you. I mean, I'm a sympathetic puker, so it's like, that's the, the world's disgusting to me, right? That, like, that's the worst example you could give. But how many of us have lived through life or are currently living in life where we're just like, I guess this is my lot in life, man. I guess this is where I'm living. I guess I'm just going to live here. Parents have lived here. My family's lived here. My, in fact, I mean, my mom and teachers told me this is where I would live. I don't have anything better for me. Well, we have decisions to make. If you want to live in the muck and the mire, the puke, live in the puke. I just don't want to hang out with you there because I'm going to puke with you. And I don't like puking. That's the worst. But we're not supposed to live in, the, in that. God has called us more than conquerors. I mean, if you've ever seen a conqueror, we have a great example of him. His name's Jesus, and he, he sits at the right hand of the Father. In fact, he's so cool about his conquer, he made a footstool. The devil's head. He's like, ha-ha, told you I was done. That's how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live in the victory. We don't even have to fight for it. The fight's already done. We just need to realize it, Right? So we're going we're gonna to get into that, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to try to help your life. And, you, and you're saying, we, we who? It's just you, Pastor Bill. Well, I'm believing the Lord's ministering with me, I hope. <laughs> Amen. And so we are going to do this. And so we have to, to figure out a few things. And, and I think some of the, the people in the Bible, there's one in particular that I always kind of tend to lean to and be like, oh, he's the guy. One is Jesus, but, but there's another one. His name's Paul. And I think that if we can realize that he did it for Paul and Paul accomplished this very thing, then so can we. And we can do it without being uh, false humble. We can do it without being arrogant. We can do it because we know where our victory comes from. We know where we reside in our victory. It doesn't come from our own strength. Paul would say that. It doesn't come from his own strength. It comes from Christ. And so let's open up our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Verse 12 through 16, and this is the Passion Translation. I've, I don't often read the Passion Translation. Um, I read the New King, King James. Um, but for whatever reason, this whole sermon kind of fits with, I just like the Passion Translation um, for some reason. Sorry, my computer screen just moved all over the place. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I am pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. You know, I think that this, I have to stop here. Um, I, this is Paul. He wrote three quarters of the New Testament. And he said, I have to admit I have to admit, I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. That's somebody I would follow. I remember my first year in Bible college, I came back from Africa, and Pastor Mark, my wife, and I were talking in the lobby, and 
uh, he was asking about, hey, what was it? He was inquiring what my experience was casting demons out of people and, and having people get set free in Jesus' name. And I remember looking at him. He was standing approximately like right here in front of me, and my wife was right here. And I said, well, you know. I was so shocked that he would ask me, a first-year Bible college student. And, and, I, and so I just kind of said, I said, well, you would know. And I will never ever forget his response. It taught me so much. He goes, if I knew, I wouldn't have asked. And that is such a Pastor Mark type of statement. But like, he said that, and I go, huh? And he goes, yeah, I don't know everything. I want to learn. It was almost at that deciding factor, first year Bible school, in the lobby, that I went, this is a guy I would follow. Doesn't, he doesn't act like he knows everything. He apologizes too. You know, as a police officer, I'm a retired police officer, I would go into many homes, and this is weird. Like, I wish I knew the psychology behind it. But there's a lot of, a lot of homes that will have men. Now, all you wives, don't be shouting or anything like that because you don't, want, don't tell on yourself. Don't tell on your husband. Don't do that. But it's super weird that there, for, for whatever reason, men tend to never admit fault. Unhealthy men. Man, we're going somewhere we, we didn't go last service. Unhealthy men. Narcissists. Ooh, I hate that word. Arrogant. Prideful. They just won't admit fault. It's always them. It's always them. And all of the homes of domestic battery situations I've had to walk in, I will tell you 100, per, nope, I, I, that would have been a lie. There was one. There was one where the female beat up the guy and she went to jail. Um, but all the other ones, every single one, every single male was never at fault. She was crazy. Her fault. Not my fault. You broke her arm, sir. Well, she fell off the bed. You pushed her. Not that hard. She has a bone problem. She has brittle bones. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'd like to see if you have brittle bones. You got a woodshed out back? <laughs> Sorry, that's what happens when you got raised with a guy that beat your mom. You kind of like, hey, do we have to follow the law? But I did, I followed the law. And then he went to jail. So to read this, Paul, he admitted that he hadn't attained it yet. Church, I want us to be in a place like a Pastor Mark and, a, and an Apostle Paul where we can sit back and say, hey, I don't know everything. I want to learn. Hey, you know what? I made a mistake. I was wrong. I want to do better. Teach me what you know. When we can come into a place of, of that humbleness, oh, what can the Lord do with us? Come on. He accepts the, the humble, right? And rejects the, the proud. I think it's so important for us to, and, and, and think about it in our, in our respect, like I'm thinking about it for Paul. Like it makes me want to like him. It made me want to follow Pastor Mark immediately. I didn't really even know him. But when he said that, I was just like, this is a guy I would learn from. He's not a know-it-all. He doesn't even pretend to know it all. 
told a first-year Bible college student, I don't know everything. I want to know what your experience was. That just spoke volumes to me. I want us to be there. Like Paul. Because Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. But he runs with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Christ has called him to fulfill and wants him to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. There's another key point in what Paul just stated. He has one compelling focus. You know, I hate cleaning the garage. I hate the garage, to be honest with you. I don't want it mistaken that that Bill spends time in the garage. I don't know how to fix stuff. It intimidates me. Never had good experiences there except pulling in and out. That's it, man. And so that's it. Um, But sometimes the wife, um, because she's amazing, she'll like, hey, I think we need to organize the garage. And I'm like, huh? That means we have to be out there? And why do we have to organize it? I don't do anything in it. You do. She does. So she's like, hey, I have this wood project. Cool, awesome, go have fun. And, uh, and so we go, but well, I'm, I'm getting to something. I'm making fun of myself, not you. Sometimes I'll get out to the garage and I'll, I'll just be overwhelmed, like, I don't know where to start. Well, let's just organize. Do we use this? Yeah, but where are we gonna put it after we move it? I don't know, I don't know how to organize stuff. Like, like, give me a garbage can, I'll just throw stuff away. I mean, I would throw the entire garage away if I could. Like everything, like tools and stuff. Like you wouldn't keep a tool? No, why? I'd call Miss Amy and say, hey, that pink toolbox you have, I need it. And, and, <laughs> and she knows exactly the pink toolbox I'm referencing. And so I, I can do it when Jen has the focus and says, hey, take this over here and this is where we're gonna take stuff and that's where we're gonna put the stuff we're not gonna keep. And then we're gonna throw that away. I'm like, oh, well, that's easy. She compelled me to focus. Paul wasn't just all alone gifted and God said, I'm gonna make you do everything and it's all gonna be easy. In fact, if you read about Paul, his life wasn't easy at all. And so he did something I think we need to do instead of looking at our past traumas, our past problems, all of the hurts, all of the condemnation and all of the, the junk, the mess, we need to have something of a focus which the Bible says, keep your eyes on things above, not on things below. We must have a compelling focus to stop looking at our history and start looking towards our future. See, God looks at you as your future. He already sees you as a completed work. He already sees you finished. He already sees you saying, oh, well done, my good and faithful servant. He doesn't see your mistakes, and we can get to that later, but he doesn't see your mistakes if you're saved by grace. If you are saved and you're in Christ Jesus, he doesn't see your mistakes no more. Well, that person's a liar. No, they're not. And that is so hard because me, I'm like, yeah, they are. They're definitely a liar. But that's not how Jesus sees them. That's That's a foreign concept for us flesh people. But it says we're for spirit. So we should call people the way he calls people. I remember this young lady. She was my daughter. (laughs) Barely didn't want to during this two and a half year stretch. Didn't want to remember she was my daughter at all. (laughs) Don't ever do it. 
And I was at my wit's end, man. I was at my wit's end and I was laying down on the golf cart path at two o'clock in the morning crying. Couldn't sleep, bawling my eyes out, looking at the stars saying, why? I don't get this, why? why?" And he says, start calling her your woman of God. I said, she ain't no woman of God. She's testing me in this area, she's testing me in this area, she's disrespecting my home, she's disrespecting, and she wasn't doing drugs or anything like that, so it wasn't nothing. I'm really blessed if this was my torture. And so she came home from work one day on a Monday, and I was there because it was our day off on that, that, this time. And she comes in, I said, there's my woman of God. And she had got stuff out of the fridge. I said, there's my woman of God. She got all sorts of twisted, put the food stuff back in the fridge, halfway made, and gone. I stood at the other end of the island, and I just went, well, God, that worked out well, thanks. <laughs> and he goes, keep calling her that. Keep calling her that. Man, I kept calling her that. I kept calling her that. I kept calling her that. Guess what she is? A woman of God. I was seeing how I saw stuff. I wasn't seeing what I wanted to see. Once I started calling her what God told me to see, shoot, she went to ORU. She gets ingrained and and saved and set free. She was saved before, but she got like, ooh, Lord, what was I doing? Because I called it the way he saw it. Paul's seeing things the way the Lord sees it. He knew what he was called to do. He kept compelled focus on his race. If you're having a tough time with your past, maybe because you're not keeping focus on what he has set before you, you're still visioning the stuff in the past. We gotta stop looking at the, at the past. God didn't give me eyes back here. I have two eyes in front. I can't see what's back there. I have a memory of what's back there. I, re- I can remember Pastor Max sitting, sitting by Diane. I can remember that Miss Amy's sitting over there. I don't know if she's looking at me or, or looking at the phone or, or I don't know because I can't see her. But my memory tells me they're there. But if I get my eyes here and I keep walking this way, I will soon forget what that looks like. Amen. We've got to start walking further and further and further away from our, from our past, but the only way to do that is look to what's forward. Look to your future. Look to your future. He runs, a straight for, he runs straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature have the same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. And let us all, let all of us advance together. That means when somebody's having a problem, you might not have a problem with your past, but the person sitting next to you might. Are you helping or hurting? Meaning this way, are you helping or reminding? Are you helping or reminding? You know, I remember being in the, in the church office here uh, when I was kind of brand new, and I was starting to get to that point where I could start forgetting some calls that I was on as a police officer. I was starting to forget some things, and I was starting to kind of like, whoa, this is freedom. Oh, glory to God. And then Pastor Doug asked a question one time. He didn't know this. He didn't, he's still, I mean, this is the first time he's heard of it. And so we were just having a, a haphazardly conversation about police work and stuff and, and asking him if I missed it and yada, yada, and he goes, he asked a question. He goes, hey, did you ever shoot somebody? And all of a sudden, a rush of memories come into my mind. 
And thankfully I didn't, but they were really close to where it's like, how'd the gun not go boom? And so all of a sudden I started remembering all of these calls and all of these calls time after time and all of these visions. And I'm like, oh, this is horrible. I don't want to be here anymore. Not here in the church, but I don't want to be in, the, in that place, right? But all I had to do was set my mind on who God's called me to be and what he's called me to do. And I keep walking towards that. And I don't remember that as often anymore. Very rarely does something come up in my mind from, from police work. But it used to because I hadn't had as much distance and time and faithfulness in the word of God that I do now. Because God tells us to renew our mind daily by the word. Well, I'm still remembering this. Yeah, because you ain't reading. Can I, is that okay to say? Okay. <laughs> Pastor Bill, I need counseling. I'm remembering all this. Yeah, because you're not reading. You don't get my reading life. You get yours. Well, how do I get rid of this? You read. Read. Read until the thought goes away. Well, what if it's six hours? I've been there. I have spent days off, eight hours, ten hours in my home, not leaving, reading the word, jumping over hurdles of my past life. I don't deal with them anymore. See, it's not, it's not that God can't just have a miracle and you just boom, poof. But very often, it takes us putting on our pants one leg at a time, putting on our boots one, boot, one foot at a time, and then saying, I'm conquering today in Christ Jesus. Amen. Because he told me to read his word daily. Because I can pray to him. Because Christ died and he strengthens me. Because he lives inside of me. And thanks be to God who causes me to triumph in all things in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Say that instead of remembering your memory. Say, Great, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, instead of your memory. Oh, you're struggling? Say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And you just keep on, well, what if it's 20 minutes? Awesome. Pretty soon it will be two seconds. But you better start somewhere, otherwise your past is just going to dictate your future. Then you decide, oh, I don't have control of my life. Yes, you do. You're here right now because you actually know. This isn't for the saved people. This is for the people that don't know God yet, but you're here and you, you're gonna know him. You're here because you know the way you're doing life already doesn't work. I've been in your shoes. A marriage that wasn't working for six months of the first six months. Horrible, man. Just call it quits. I ain't doing this the rest of my life. And then here my grandpa said, get, your, get, get in church, boy. And that was a memory, not he was dead already. He said, get in church, boy. And so we found a church. And wouldn't you know, we go to church and the pastor has a word of knowledge about a married couple. And then he, man, we walked up all broken. We were broken. We walked up and he prayed for us. And you know what his prayer was? was basically a wedding ceremony. I kid you not. It was the most, I was bawling my eyes out. And he basically just married us right then and there. It was, it was awesome. That's how much God loves you. If you're sitting here going, well, I don't even know why I'm here but I'm here because I need something different. My regular life's not working. This, I'm, just, I'm just not fulfilled. Well, you'll never be fulfilled until you have Christ Jesus. I've lived it, I've tried it, it doesn't work. Paul lived it and tried it and it didn't work. Paul is the same Paul that was Saul that killed Christians. He was a murderer, but he was also a Pharisee among Pharisees. He was the best of the best. And when I say that, I think of like the movie Top Gun. Top Gun is the best naval aviators in the world. 
I think of somebody, you know, who's the best of the best? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's the best. No one will ever be better than him. No one is better than him. He's 6-0 and in championships. Don't email me anything on Monday. <laughs> I just like having fun. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 5 through 7. I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel as the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteous of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I was without a peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of truth, I persecuted the Messianic believers with a religious zeal. Yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them and I regard them all as nothing compared to the delight, the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from the past and throwing, uh, throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap it's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. This was, this was Paul saying this. This is what he found when he found Jesus. Pastor Bill, so when you and your wife went to that church and you got prayed over, did just all of a sudden your marriage was great? Yeah, no. And what I mean by that, like it seemed like it was all of a sudden perfect. But all of a sudden I had grace towards her. And all of a sudden she had grace towards me. And everything that I knew I had been forgiven for, how could I not forgive her? And we didn't have any, any bad stuff going on. We just didn't know how to be married. I mean, living with somebody is different than dating somebody. You get all excited to go on a date and you do your hair or shave your head, um, you know, whatever fits. And you get nervous butterflies going to their house to pick her up and you open her door. You better, young men, you better open her door. That's Pastor Bill and dad talking. Better not let a girl's hand touch that door handle. All you young ladies and single ladies, if that man doesn't touch that door handle, you turn right around and walk right back to your house because it ain't going to get better. Amen? Just trying to help. <laughs> Young adult pastor, kind of tell. And so um, he, was, he was amazing, right? But what our marriage did was it gave us a foundation to look at and say, wait a minute, we can do this right. And it got us around people that we could see. Miss Amy doesn't know this, but earlier today, the very first service, she showed me a picture. She goes, Pastor Mark sent me a picture of the, of the place that they did the service at, and it was beautiful. You could see the seat. There was a lot of seats, man. And um, before I saw it, I said, oh, I would love to, that'd be awesome if we could show it on the big screens and let everyone know where he's at and what it looks like but the picture didn't really work. It was just a selfie of him with the background, right? Like, I wouldn't want that done to me, and he, I know he wouldn't either. 
But here's what she doesn't know I caught. As she was sitting there and looking at the photo through her text and she pulls it up, I was watching her face look at the picture. And as a husband, she's kind of my mom, my spiritual mom. It's weird because she's five years older, but she's my mom. And um, I'm still looking at people above me for marriage goals. And the smile she smiled when she was looking at Pastor Mark. She doesn't know I caught that. To me, that's beautiful. To me, that's warming. To me, that's like, ah, I want that too. And I have that. I mean, I love my wife, but like when I'm her age. (laughs) Trust me, this is weird because I really do. She's like, mom will slip out of my mouth sometimes. And I'm like, she's my brother's age, man. We're the same age. And... uh, But to me, those are the things that you can find in church. Those are the things that you can sit around. You don't have to know each other. I didn't have to ask her anything. I saw how she smiled. I didn't have to sit there and be like, oh, you love him? (laughs) I didn't have to do that. And so for you you married couples or you dating couples or or you're wanting to get married and you're wanting to date, get in church. Watch some happy married couples. Oh, it can't always be that. We took some people on a mission trip to Africa one time. This young, this, this woman, she came on the mission trip and we found out after day 13, we were coming home on the airplane. And I said, hey, how was the trip? Was it everything you imagined? She goes, oh man, it was so much better. But can I really share with you the reason we went or the reason I went? I said, yeah, and it kind of puzzled me. I'm like, this is terrifying. And she goes, I just wanted to see if you and Jen really were who you and Jen are. And I started laughing. I said, well, what'd you find out? Because Jen and I don't really fake things. Like, if I'm mad, I'm going to be mad. I, I have, I, it's not my best quality. If I'm upset, I'm upset. You'll know I'm upset. Wish I could hide it better. I wear things on my sleeves. That's why I'm covered up. <laughs> no, but Jen and I are just Jen. It's just us. We're not fake happy. We're not, we're not fake love. We're not fake mad. We're not going to act mad just to make you feel that your, your marriage is just the same. Man, I, I am blessed as all get out. Have the best marriage in the world. Have the best wife in the world. And I'm not going to be trying to say that I don't. Just is what it is. And our weirdness works for us, so leave me alone. Okay, her fixing stuff in the garage works for me. And it works for her. She loves doing it. I don't know why. I mean, she grew up with a dad in con- construction. She likes it. So don't go up and tell her, you say, hey, you should get your husband to do that. Knock it off. <laughs> get your own husband to do stuff in the garage. Leave, leave me alone. <laughs> so, so here's one of the things that Paul had to forget. This is insane because I don't think I've ever had to forget something like this. Paul, when Saul was watching, encouraging, approved, and held men's jackets while Stephen was stoned to death. He just stood there and watched. Maybe gave advice. He might have stood by and be like, yo, 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 don't, don't pick up that rock. Pick up that one. That's a good one right there. That one will do the most damage. Do that one. So Paul had some things to, to, to forget. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, he says this. Now Saul agreed to be an accomplice to Stephen's stoning and participated in his execution. 
From that day on, a great persecution of the church in Jerusalem began. All the believers scattered into the countryside of Judea and among the Samaritans, except the apostles who remained behind in Jerusalem. Paul was Saul. He saw all that. When Paul got saved and and delivered and set free and and said, hey, I'm going to be a preacher of the gospel, he had to forget that. Have you had to forget anything like that? It worked for him. And one of the things that he did that that helped him forget this was um, just an amazing thing. It says this, I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future. Pastor Mickey, come here, big guy. If I call him big, it makes me feel big because we're like the same size. It's like, you know, I'm big too. If I can fasten myself to him, I'm going wherever my future goes. He's my future. So I'm going wherever he goes. If he goes, I'm going with him because I'm, I'm fastening myself to him. I'm not looking at my past anymore. I'm not looking at my, my, my disgustingness that the, the devil wants you to remember. Oh, you slept around. Oh, you did this. Oh, you drank. Oh, you had addictions. What? I have a future. I have a future and a glory. Oh, I have a future in Christ Jesus. See, you keep saying it. You keep saying the word of God. You can't even hear your past talk. You know how you quiet down your past? You talk about your future. That's how you quiet it down. You know how you quiet it down? You say, oh, Jesus, my future. I don't know about you, devil, but Jesus, my future. I'm going where he's telling me to go. I'm going to church when I don't want to go to church. I'm going to praise the Lord when I don't want to praise the Lord because he's my future. He's the only way I can succeed in this life. If it, if it was only the way Paul could succeed, it's the only way I can succeed. I'm not better than he is, and neither are you. If Jesus needed every time he had to go seek the Lord, seek the Lord, seek the Lord, we should be seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord. And it ain't a trial. It isn't hard. It's so fun. You want to know things? Spend time with the Lord. If you have fear of missing out, Spend time with the Lord and you won't miss out. Amen? We must strain forward. We must go together. If you're, if you're succeeding in this but somebody is not, encourage them to look and hold fast to their future. We've got to help one another when we can't help one another. There's things in life that we go through, and pretty soon, if we don't have somebody that we know will help us and stand us up, say, no, I got you, Bill. We're going where you're going. I know where you're going. Just trust me. We've got to be that for one another. You can be that for one another. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. Romans 8.37 says, we are more than conquerors. You're not a victim of your past unless you allow yourself to still be a victim. I had to help a young lady one time in a, in a horrible situation, you can probably guess from that point. And I remember sitting on the grass at the train depot at real early in the morning, super cold. She went to a party she shouldn't have went to. She should have been in church. And I remember praying to God. I said, God, I don't know what to say to her. And he gave me these words, I'll never forget them. He says, hey, I said, hey, young lady, from this point on, you have a decision to either be a victim the rest of your life or only be a victim once. Would you like to press charges 
so that he never victimizes somebody else. See, we're all victims once. It's up to us if we're going to continue to be victims or not. I want us to sit back and say, no longer am I a victim. I am a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I've got joy of the Lord in my heart. And I'm helping somebody next to me. Come on, man. We should, everyone out there should be like, golly, they're just the light. That person's the light of, of my office. They're always joyful. Amen? I could have never done this. I could never be up here if, if it wasn't for Jesus. If it wasn't for me getting saved, if it wasn't for him dying on the cross, I could never have done this. I could have never had a successful, amazing, blessed wife with awesome kids and a granddaughter without Jesus. I'd probably be in prison. Oh, Pastor Bill, no, you wouldn't. Yeah, I probably would. I don't know where you're headed if you don't know Jesus, but it's not good. I know where you're headed eternally if you don't accept him, that's hell. And I'm not trying to scare you. Hell wasn't made for the, the lost. Hell was made for the fallen angels. God loves you, he, he loves you so much, he sent his only begotten son for you. The Bible says it's one of my favorites because it takes religion out. It says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved wait, you mean I don't have to pray at a certain time or face a certain direction or, or, or shave? Or, or No, no, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. It says all, for all. Well, how do you know if you need a savior? Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Heaven is perfect, we can't get there otherwise. And the only way to get to heaven is to be born again. That is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm gonna be asking here in a little bit for you to raise your hand so that we can pray together so that you can be forgiven of all your sins like I did, like I have been. Man, the sky was bluer than I've ever seen before the day of my salvation. I'm asking that you be bold and courageous like Jesus was carrying the cross to Calvary for you and for me. I'm gonna ask that you be bold and raise your hand here in just a couple minutes. And if you're here today and you've been living kind of with one foot in the world and one foot in the church saying, well, I kind of know, I, I know of God. I, I, I know God. Well, so do the devils and demons in, he in hell. There's a difference between I know of God, and you believe in him as your savior. Maybe you're sitting and you never 100% said, today's the day that I go all in with Jesus. And from this day forward, my past is in the past. My future is more than a conqueror. Thanks for joining us for the message today. I trust it has been a blessing and a help to your life. You know, the most important thing we could ever do is to receive salvation, to receive eternal life. You know, Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price, and it's available to every single one of us. Would you like to pray today? Say it from your heart. Say it out loud. Dear God in heaven, I believe in you. I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. He suffered in my place. 
He died so I could live. He was raised from the dead and he's alive today. I receive him now as my savior. I confess Jesus is Lord. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, congratulations, you're in, you're saved, you're right with God. I would love to hear from you so we can send you some additional material to help you in your walk and relationship with God. Please text the word SAVED to 208-314-2660. Also, I'd like to invite you to join us for a live service this coming Sunday, and you are more than welcome to be here. Visit our website at lcboise.com for all of the current service times. Thanks again for joining us today. God bless you.